Welcome to Move Wild Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Clapson. The aim of this podcast is to explore, learn, and spread the message of rewilding and natural movement so that we as humans can live in more alignment with our nature and reclaim what it means to be fully alive. The modern world has stripped away so much that used to nourish our mind, body, and soul. This podcast will help illuminate how we can reclaim and restore our innate, wild, capable, and strong spirit. Thanks for joining me on this journey. Hey, hey, welcome back to Move Wild Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you've had an amazing weekend and are ready to jump back into another epic episode. So today is the first interview, the first conversation that I've got for season two. So this episode is with Damien Norris. So I had the pleasure of sitting down with Damien a while back and having a chat with him about all sorts of things. So he is the owner of the Wilding Project or he runs the Wilding Project. Damien has a background in gymnastics, parkour and natural movement. His journey of getting back into movement after leaving gymnastics not only transformed his fitness, but reconnected him to his wild side and what the human body has been capable of for many millennia. He has returned from a journey recently across the world, connecting with different movement experts on his travels. He lives in Perth with his wife and son and owns and coaches at his gym, The Wilding Project. He has a great TEDx talk that I highly recommend where he talks about the process of rewilding our bodies. We got into a wide range of topics today in this one, such as the difference between exercise and fitness, the role of fitness in the modern world, and so much more. I was so stoked and grateful for Damien that he took the time to have this conversation. I'm excited to see what you guys think and share this with you all. So this, yeah, this conversation inspired me in so many ways, and I'm sure it will the same for you. Listen in after the show for how you can connect with me and what's going on with me. And until then, enjoy this episode, season two, episode three of Move Wild Podcast. All right, so welcome to the podcast, Damien. Thanks for coming on. No worries. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So um, to start with, I'd like to get a little bit of your backstory and how you kind of got into natural movement and what that journey was for you that led you to what you do today. Okay. Yeah, no worries. Um, I guess it's a long-ish story in terms of um, just my movement background, in terms of time. I used to be an elite gymnast. So back in the day, I was uh, training you know, uh, between sort of like 30, 38 hours a week as a gymnast. And I was doing that competitively up until I was 21, I guess. I had a pretty nasty wrist injury which kind of ended the career, I guess. But that's my kind of movement pedigree. I was a gymnast. So, you know, the whole whole lot, like vault bars, you know, four pommels, rings, vault, parallel bars, um, all of the six events for men, and plus all the kind of rubbish that goes with elite sport, you know, physios and uh, doctors and uh, not doing anything else during the day other than training. So that was how I was then. But then when I retired from sport, I had had a real gutful of sport, basically, like um, structured competitive sport. So I had a massively long break. 
where I had to go into the workforce and do a regular kind of a job. So I didn't do much in between. Like I just mucked around, uh, you know, surfed, um, but nothing sort of structured in terms of a competitive sport. And it wasn't until the birth of my, or the, like the expected sort of birth of my son in 2016, or before that, like a year before that, about 2015, I was like, I'm an, old, I'm an older person too, right? So I'm like 40, so I turned 48 this year. Yeah. And so I was going to be an old dad, basically, and an older dad with a toddler. And I was like, how the F am I going to deal with this, right? Like, this is going to be hard work. Like, I don't even know what to expect. And at the time, I wasn't very, I wasn't very fit. I had a desk job, like, for the last 10 years. Um, so I had really not looked after my body very well at all. So I decided to um, do something about that and I did what everybody else does. And I kind of, did, I joined a gym, basically. I got a gym membership and sort of got in the gym and I was doing the sort of treadmill and the workout and joining sort of aerobics classes and like, was hit, like I had a couple of personal trainers sort of bark at me for a while. And, and I was like, this is just not, what I need. This is crazy. Like, like I don't, I want to get down on the floor and call with my toddler and run around with my son when he's, you know, eventually arrives. And none of this stuff that I was doing was seemed relevant to that sort of t task basically. So I, um, I was looking around for options and I happened across um, uh, George's Herbert's work. So sort of the French uh, physical education teacher, like, um, uh, the natural method um a really old piece of um, literature about physical education and sort of the birthplace of parkour and um the birthplace of obstacle course training like a fascinating piece of work a tiny two dollar book <laughs> that you can get from kindle right yeah. and i read it and that's where i first read the phrase you know be strong to be useful and like here was this program um, of work, things to do, like you know, 12 movement categories and stuff that just was liberating to me. I was like, whoa, what the hell is this thing? This was like a breath of fresh air. And I had a, um, a background, obviously, in gymnastics and in coaching, and I kind of just decided, well, I'll just take this, I'll take this work and I'll just make my own program up. So, um, I started to explore my local parks and suburbs around me and uh, the, the landscape around me, trying to um, train myself in the George's Hebert methodology. Yeah. Um, and this is in Melbourne at the time. I'm in Perth, Western Australia now, but yeah. I was in Melbourne then. And like you sort of, when, when I was doing that, I kind of bumped into, literally bumped into people practicing parkour in my area. Right. And I was like, what the hell is that? Like, <laughs> what are these guys doing? And they were regularly returning to these places and training in these, or training in you know, urban landscapes. I'd never seen parkour before. I'd never heard of it before. So I started hanging out with them and that led me down. That, that, and that was a connection because, um, you know, David Bell, one of the founders of parkour, um, one of the founding members of what, what's called the Yamakazi, yeah. Um, his father and grandfather were trained as French military men. 
So they had been trained themselves in um, George Heber's obstacle course training, which was right. um, his work became the staple diet for the army. Yeah. So I mean, when you look at, you know, all the obstacle course training that you think, well, what is it, you know, like the running across logs and the crawling under barbed wire and jumping through mud and wrestling and stuff. Well, that's, he has that, that lineage is in George's Hebert's work and others, but you know, he was a, the main thinker. So then I had this crew of people who were training parkour and then, um, I seriously enjoyed that. And I was just in the world sort of exploded for me, like the, the, the what fitness was and um, what fitness could be just um, kind of blew up really for me. Like the old paradigm of the weights gym with the repetitive linear structures and, yeah. you know, treadmills and yeah. you know, whatever the screen screens in front of you, the <laughs> practice and like, like that just, just was just a joke now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how I got into natural movement. So it doesn't take long for you to run around circles like parkour, George's hair bear before you bump into people like Ido Portal. And then all of a sudden you find the, the workout that time forgot or whatever, like, you know, yeah. everyone records, you know, scramble through the woods and stuff. And, um, and that's kind of how I got into, I guess, natural movement in a movement sense. Yeah. Um, but in terms of, um, the natural method uh, or you know, movement in outdoor settings. Uh, that's my pedigree. That's, that's, that's how I kind of got into it. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, something you touched on or something you mentioned was being strong to be useful. What does that mean to you? Or could you kind of describe what being strong to be useful is? Yeah, precisely. Um, well, um, in George Hebert's uh, thinking philosophy, he was... Um, a French military man stationed around in French colonies. And he um, compiled his methodology about movement training from watching or observing that the indigenous cultures that he saw were supremely fit people, uh, but they had no gyms, <laughs> right? And it's like, what's going on here? Like we're all, you know, this is like the 1900s too, don't forget. Like, you know, yeah. there were still gyms and physical education facilities and or gymnasiums, they called them, literally yeah. gymnasiums then. Um, so, but he also was witness to a pretty catastrophic volcanic event. I can't remember the name of the island now, but anyway, like hundreds or thousands of people perished on this island on this particular day. And the military presence was able to rescue a bunch of people and, and get them off. And this whole moment is kind of, uh, written up in, you know, French, um, historic folklore, I guess now, but he really witnessed a, a, a civil population unable, unable to save themselves or the people that they loved. And he was like, well, what's the point of uh, training, like being going to the gymnasium or looking after your health and so on, or going for a run, if you don't know how to get out of a burning window or drag your wife, you know, from you know, from a, from a, from a problem or save your kids or save yourself like and so that's where he kind of came up with this idea that fitness um was a real civic duty right. it's not something you do as a side project yeah. it's something you do because you owe this capacity of your body to look after yourself and others if you need to yeah it's like every man should be a firefighter like every man should be a rescue worker 
Um, and so being strong to be useful was his take on fitness. Um, yeah, fitness with a purpose, yeah. not just a, not just exercise as a pastime or you know um, exercise as a kind of wellness project. Yeah, that's cool. I love I love that idea of it being a civic duty. I really resonate with that. I think that's a great way to look at it. Um, so now I wanted to shift over to talking about the recent trip that you got back from around the world um, and what inspired that journey and like what are some of the highlights from that trip? Oh man, well, okay. So, I mean, our, that journey came, the, the, the seeds of doing this whole world trip was off the back of our TED talk that we did in uh, 2018 now. Yeah. Um, and so we were, or maybe I can talk about that a bit later yeah. on, but well, we, actually, we could just touch on what the tech talk is about now and then go into what the trip is, what the trip was. Okay. So, yeah. um, I mean, Ted was surreal for me as an experience, but we were approached by curators, they're called in the Ted world yeah. uh, to participate in the local sort of TEDx that they wanted speakers to talk about stuff that was interesting and someone had name dropped us and so we got invited um to tell a story about natural movement which ended up becoming the story of how i got involved in this like the the, the whole story about being a father and yeah. what i just told what i just told you but and the birth of our business the, the wilding project you know yeah um so off the back of that talk, which then gets broadcast globally on the, on the platform, we had lots of people contacting us and calling us from sort of kind of move, natural movement threads, I guess, across the planet, different people doing similar things or just people interested in what we were saying. And I was with my wife and I was like, well, like, what are we doing here? Like, we've got this gym club running, uh, this fitness program running in Perth, but why don't we go and have a look at what everybody else is doing? Like there's all these people, like people in Austria and there was people in you know, Portugal and there was people in the USA and Canada and so on. So why don't we just tell them we're coming and we'll just pack up and go. So yeah, we, that's how it kind of basically came about. So my son's three and a half now. We sold up everything we could get our hands, like we could sell. We sold a car and our furniture and rented our house out and hit the road basically and just went on this journey where we followed the followed the referrals in a way we went to gyms and facilities and venues which had a, a either a natural movement focus or was just a very curious form of human movement yeah so it could have been a contemporary dance studio or um gosh or a natural movement gym or or even a regular gym but just yeah. a you know, regular person who had a interest in whole body movement and then it kind of morphed into all this other stuff like you know like um i was like starting to think well what can i get my body into so you know we're doing like hiking stuff with people like you know, adventure hikers in, you know, in in europe and then by the time we got to usa we sort of um, found a crew that were doing what's called fighting monkey the stunt time with those guys and then um, it was like, oh, well, when we got to South America, it was like we sort of landed in this really kind of organic, wonderful surfing community. So I just 
I'm not much of a surfer, but I like it. But then I wanted to find out what they were all about. And that led to me learning about some freedivers. And so I went and hung out with some freedivers for a while and learned their technique and then it was spearfishing. And then like it just, and then the yoga sort of, like a person who teaches yoga in some place, like in Mexico. And I was like, yeah. we just kept following this um, movement journey around the planet. Wow. Learning. And for, for me, it was a real experience because I kind of, I'd stayed away from all of the, mainstream sports yeah. after I retired from gymnastics. But now I was kind of meeting people who were in those mainstream sports right. as well as everything else and, and learning so much from all of them. And then sort of, so I kind of got this really rich experience of, um, I can't, I can't, of, move, of a movement culture, like a global movement culture, interested in physical education, interested in physical fitness, interested in movement of all descriptions, capoeira, parkour, free diving, surfing, like whatever it was, didn't matter what it was like. Um, so there was that kind of aspect to it. And then the other part was landscapes, like the kind of landscapes you could get your body into. Um, and then what, how your body responds to that. Like, so that was kind of fascinating. I could talk about that for ages, but that's yeah. kind of how it was. We did this, we, I mean, we really only came back because I mean, the world went to shit basically. And, yeah. um, and, and we got our ass kicked by a virus and the, you know, the airports were closing and um, the warnings were getting more grave. I mean, we literally uh, got out of, we were in Chile before we finally came home. Right. So we went around the world from Perth first through Europe, then into USA, Canada, Canada USA, and yeah. then into Central America. And by the time, we maybe did 12 countries, I guess. Um, but by the time we got home, heading home, Chile closed its borders the day we left. Wow. So the plane that we were on arrived the night before. Had it, had it not been, so we had it left the day later, no more planes were coming in because wow. the border was done. So we would be still sitting, wouldn't have been a bad thing, but we would have been sitting in Chile right now, wow. if we hadn't, hadn't made it out. No way. Yeah, to come home. It was just a complete, you know, complete chance. That that yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to touch on some of the, because from what I followed um, of that trip on just on social media, watching you, like you, you have been in some incredible natural places. So what were some of the highlights in terms of exploring nature and just the landscapes that you're in? Um, I think two places just pop out to me. Um, one was Newfoundland in Canada, which is like an island province in the, in Canada. That place um, was a real, I mean, I have a, uh, been there before because my wife's from Canada and she's actually from there. All but right. I'd only ever visited Newfoundland in the winter. Yeah. And it's a shit place to be, like in the, in the winter. Like it is snow, pine tree and moose. Like that's kind of it. Right. Um, and ice lakes. And yeah. You know, and I was like, I'm never coming back here again. <laughs> like we'd fly into Newfoundland for Christmas for the family and I think, oh, this is my first time. Like, this is this great adventure. I'm going to Canada. We get out of the, we get to the house. We get inside and then like 10 foot of snow dumps overnight and you spend two weeks indoors yeah. shoveling snow out of the effing window, out of the front door so you can just leave the property, like I leave the house. 
and that's it. We spent two weeks inside and staying cold, right? I was like, I'm never coming back here again. It's awful. <laughs> awful. So, but this time we timed it to get there in the summer, which is really a short window of time, July to um, September. But, oh man, like it was extraordinarily beautiful. Wow. And, and nature was like completely accessible. I'm not sure how it is where you are, but like if I go hiking in the, or want to scramble in the bush here in Australia around where I am, it's sort of like, yeah, it's, it's a bit sketchy. I don't necessarily yeah. want to, you know, you've got snakes and crap yeah. everywhere and it's a bit, it's, it's rough. But, but there, because of the, um, the, the snow cover during the winter and the pine tree and the kind of like, the, it's soft underfoot. Like it's right. soft underfoot and you can just go in any direction and it's safe because there's nothing that kills you out there. Like, you know, you might, if you're lucky, you know, come across a black bear who are very private creatures, but, you know, short of a moose, I mean, you don't see anything. Yeah. So it's completely accessible and wide. Wow. Like, you know, just go in any direction and you're lost. It's beautiful. Yeah. And um, because it's an island province, like, everything is available like so you know it would be would not be unusual to go for a hike in any direction and then uh, hit a hit a patch of wild strawberries or raspberries or blueberries or um wow uh, like oh. and just you so you go for a run and a hike and next thing you run across a blueberry patch you'd stop for 20 minutes and just gorge yourself and then you go yeah. running some more <laughs> um and the fishing was extraordinary and the water life was amazing and like whales are off the coast and like so newfoundland was just pristine yeah Beautiful. that sounds amazing yeah it was um the other one that really stands to mind was um island life so by the time we got down to um mexico and then costa rica nicaragua Panama, we were kind of on both sides of the, you know, the Caribbean and, and sort of Atlantic side, bouncing from side to side. Yeah. But we got to stay in some really remote um, island communities. So a little place in, um, now I've got to get this right. Um, I think it's Nicaragua, Nicaragua called Little Corn Island. This is like, you know, you can't, you can, I mean, it takes, it's large enough that you can't sort of easily run around. Like you can run around it, probably probably take you half a day to run around it, but it's, it's, yeah. it's not massive. We stayed on islands that would, you could run around in like 10 minutes. Like, oh, wow. um, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but island life um, in there and staying on islands for extended periods of time uh, was the other real movement boon, I guess, for me. It was like, it's just an extraordinary place to be on an island. I mean, it's, you've got the, you've got the coast. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like Australia, but mini, mini Aussie. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can, you, you've got the beach and beautiful white sands and, and oceans to play in. You've got driftwood that sort of washes up and creates all kinds of obstacles. You've got palm trees leaning over the place, which are great to call, crawl on and climb and, wow. you know, get coconuts or whatever. And you, then you can sort of pad off into the island and that's, pretty reasonably soft underfoot to get around yeah um yeah that so and then you obviously there's fishing off the off the coast and yeah so that so i think little corn island and another stretch of um 
archipelago called the San Blas Islands in Panama were probably the two most extraordinary places that I, I went to. I mean, um, yeah, what, like one, one place I went to was joined a really kind of local surfing community and just explored all their, like their, their world of surfing, which was interesting for me. Yeah. Um, the other one was uh, in the in the sandblast. We actually managed to stay on a boat, um, so we lived off a boat for um, just for a week, basically. And then yeah. this, but this person who was captain was, you know, ex fighter actually, ex tie fighter. But he had a real passion for free diving and spear fishing. So I got to learn a bunch of skills from him about breathing and free diving and. Uh, and then fishing as well with spear fishing and so on. Oh wow, sounds epic! Yeah, it was. It was, it was yeah, I mean, the whole thing was epic. The, the, the whole journey was uh, epic. But yeah. I think they were the two two standouts, like islands, moving on islands, um, exploring your body's capacity to move in an island structure um, was just great. And then obviously um, in the kind of mountainous. Uh, and wooded areas of uh, Newfoundland was just a real, was just extraordinary. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You're inspiring me. I want to go traveling there now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and if people are listening and like want to see what these places look like, I think you've got a lot of um, photos from both, like both those places and most of your travels up on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. I need to get back in there and put more up. I was sort of, um, I'm not great with social media to be, to be perfectly honest. And um, I was sort of trying to track our progress and put sort of daily posts up and that, that, that all went to shit. And then, so I was kind of like fell behind wherever we were. So I had this massive backlog of um, things to post and put up. So I think, I think on Instagram, I might've got to Mexico somehow. Right. You know? So right. I've kind of got all of Central and South America to post. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. but there's, there's some beautiful pictures up there of um, Newfoundland, like mm. some of the, yeah, some of the different places up there. That's cool, man. So, um, how can, so just shifting, how can people start to integrate some of the principles of natural movement and this uh, concept of rewilding our bodies? How can we start to integrate that into our daily lives? Okay. Yeah. Sure. So, I mean, rewilding is the, phrase that we coined to describe a kind of a return to your body's natural fitness or its natural capacities. Um, yeah. So sort of kind of like a homecoming for your, for your body, I guess is one way we describe it. So how to return to that? Well, I mean, you have to stop being sedentary, obviously um, kind of like the first thing it's on one level, it's extraordinarily simple. It's not rocket science. It's basically um, being active again, being active again in a in a non structured way. I don't know how to describe, but you know we're not. We need to. So in the natural methods sort of categories of movement, they break it down to about twelve different categories. So Heber sort of when he was looking at indigenous cultures and populations, like well, what do they do that keeps them so fit? He broke it all down. There was like like running and walking, um, they were crawling and swimming, play fighting or roughhousing, wrestling. Yeah. Um, and then there was other stuff that went on from that, like lifting and carrying, 
throwing and crawling on all fours and uh, climbing and so and sort of parkour activities. So he broke this this down. So in terms of getting into natural movement, what you want to have in your mind is these twelve categories of fitness, basically. And the idea is that you, oh sorry, and like obviously squatting down low and just doing work low to the floor rather than sitting down at a table. Um, well, these things keep people's hips very mobile. Like I think in Australia they call it the we we look at Asia and they call it the Asian squat because Asians will squat, right? Like they have squat toilets. They don't have seat toilets like 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 Westerners do. So they squat a lot, yeah. <laughs> right? Squat to the toilet and they squat to prepare food and, yeah. and so on. I'm not saying they don't have real Western toilets or they don't sit at tables, but mm-hmm. there's a sort of culture of yeah, yeah, still yeah. And sure. so for getting into natural movements about being down on the floor again, like just literally sitting on the floor also almost automatically requires your body to shift its position every three or four minutes because it's uncomfortable. Yeah. And so in doing that, you sit cross-legged and then you sit, you lean on your elbow and then you roll over to your stomach and then you might sort of like find another position for your legs to sit down and then you might stretch a bit funny. Like you do all these kinds of things when you're sitting on the floor. You don't do any of that when you're sitting in a seat. Yeah. And it flows from there. Like, you've got to get off the floor to do something. So you've got to transition from the ground to standing up. And if that's, if you don't do that very often, um, you will find that kind of difficult if you do it 10 times in a row. Yeah. And then there's a billion ways to get off the floor and to, to stand up. And then if you have to do it in a hurry, for example, like you have to get off because some, there's something's about to fall on you or you're, you know, um, you're in danger and you've got to run. Uh, then getting off the floor to stand again is, quite an art form (laughs) to do it well. So there it refines your ability to get from the floor to stand. Well, once you get up and you start moving and you have to run fast, well, you've got to work on your gait. You're not always, you're not always wearing shoes. So you've got to run in bare feet. Um, And then, and so on, you know, Um, but it does get, it is, it is a, a structured training. You have to really get your head around a methodology because at some point you're going to have to climb or do some kind of parkour vaults um, or hang off something yeah. um, and, and, and brachiate somehow, like, you know, hang from something to pull yourself up or to pull yourself around and over. And then, then we start getting technical. Like it's a real, te- there was a real technique to all of those sorts of things. Um, but in terms of integrating it in your life, I've, I think the, the fastest way, I guess, is just to, uh, get rid of your chairs in yeah. the living room. <laughs> Have a place where you sit on the floor and you're starting to feel that your body does different things. I mean, like in my home, I've sort of re-engineered the house now to to make it a movement-rich place to be. So some my coffee is high up on a ledge, so I have to reach up to get it, right? Um, not all of the things that I want to use on a regular basis are easy to get to, so I put down the back of the cupboard Right, so I have to squat down and reach back into a back corner. Yeah, um, I'm, not, I'm not some sort of freak. We've got other things that are really close by. Like you know, it's not everything's hard to get to, but you can structure your home in such a way that it requires you to move more than move less. Yeah, um, you know, we do fun stuff with my wife, and we have like the 
the crawling hour, 12 to one sometimes like, yeah, it's crawl time. So anywhere you go in the house and my son, my wife, me, we've got to crawl between 12 and one. Nice. Like, doesn't it, you know, oh, that's, it's like, it's just funny. It's funny. Like, yeah. It's just a funny thing to do, you know? Yeah. Um, that's great. And it's, but it's, but it's kind of saying, oh, well, let's take movement uh, seriously. Yeah. Like, um, let's take movement rich life seriously. And let's not miss, like, let's not confuse exercise with fitness. Mm. So if we go back to George Herbert's work, you know, like fitness is for a purpose. So what's the purpose of you being fit? Right. You know? um, exercise is kind of a grab bag of pastimes, yeah. whether it's going to the gym or bench pressing or running or swimming or cycling, all fantastically wonderful things to do. But ex exercise for most people is quarantined to sort of a moment in the day and a few days a week. So here's yeah. my exercise over here. Well, what the hell does your body do with all the time it's not exercising, right? Yeah. And what you find is that your exercise is not really helping your body overcome the vast proportions of sedentary time that you're sitting around doing nothing. Like sitting in a car, eating dinner, working, watching TV. Like when you add it all up, going to sleep, you know, you're sedentary a lot. Yeah. And if you think that the exercise that you're doing, say, oh, I'm a runner. I love to run. Well, great. You know, you run and you have this linear shape and you train your body to repeat itself in like this pattern ongoing. Perfect. Oh, great. I love runners. I love running. Yeah. But if that's the only thing you do, then you're, you're not articulating all of your body through all that it can do. And you're narrowing its range, effectively narrowing your capacity. So exercise is good, but for me, it's not fitness. Yeah. Fitness is something completely different. Um, and so I think you have to not confuse like exercising with being fit in a natural sense. Or I'm putting my fingers up saying, you know, natural sense. I yeah. have a problem with them. I have a problem with the idea of the word natural movement to describe what we do, but that's a whole different story. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, like, yeah, get out of the idea that fitness equals exercise and then right. start finding ways to move your whole body through that, through as much as it is capable of as often as possible throughout the entire day. Yeah. That, that's when your movement capacity starts to become sort of naturally fit, I guess, yeah. or, or like, you know, whole body fitness. Interesting. How, like, how would you better define natural movement or how would you put it? And what's like, what's your objection to using that as a word? Yeah. I mean, I've sort of rattled around in my head about natural movement for some time. Um, trying to figure out like, well, what the hell is it? Yeah. Like what's natural? Yeah. Is it like, what is it like? And what's, well, if you take it in the negative, like what's unnatural movement look like? Right. Like what the hell's that? Yeah. Like would a natural movement practitioner say that a handstand is a relevant natural movement? Well, some say no, like yeah. where's the practical purpose of a handstand? But then um, I was talking to a firefighter and he was like, well, Sometimes I have to be in a crawl space and I come out of a crawl space, like a vent shaft or something. And I've got, I've got to reach down to get my hands to the floor or a table or a top of a cupboard. And yeah. suddenly I, now I'm inverted. Right. And having the strength to do a handstand would come in very handy. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, or so, so you're like, oh, okay, well maybe handstand in a refined kind of gymnastic sense is not a natural movement, but the capacity to stand on your hands and bear your body's weight upside down. Sure. 
yeah. that could be really handy in a natural setting or you know so and then is is it natural if you augment your body some some way like some i think katie bowman was on a podcast once and i heard her saying well it's not natural if you're on a bike yeah so she was like drawing the line between you know it's natural if you can get up and just do it without any like assist right, right? but then i was like well what if you like grind coffee in a mill yeah well that's a machine it's a it's a it's not a natural one <laughs> yeah but it's a machine that augments my like that works my body physically yeah but what if i have to pump water from a well and i have to lift it you know yeah. what if i have to what if i have to use a hoe or a chainsaw or a, yeah okay so i don't trying to call something natural it's like well what's the body capable of doing like is this a natural skill are we going to talk about what the body evolved to do right well the, the body evolved to do circus de soleil yeah <laughs> you know is that natural like what they do yeah and so i have a problem with the connotations of natural trying to explain what we do right um and then if you talk about persons with disabilities who don't have legs or you know is what they do with their bodies natural but right. even though they can't ha don't have the full I don't know, evolutionary range of whatever's possible for a body yeah. that's not born with a disability yeah so for those sorts of reasons i have problems with natural yeah that's interesting I generally refer to it as like as whole body movement. Yeah. That's me. I've got to cut me. But then I like to use natural movement in the context of if I go out my door into the natural world and push myself to the limits with just my body and the landscape that I'm in. Okay. That's natural movement for me. Yeah. I use, I just use the word natural to describe being in the environment and exercising or being fit or working out or having the, having the landscape challenge me yeah that's how i kind of yeah that's cool i really i really like that definition that um we're viewing it i definitely agree with you on many of those points in the sense that like we as humans evolved to develop tools that could aid us in moving such as a bicycle or mm. such as a spear or such as a bow or such as a coffee grinder mm. like we like natural includes the use of tools that enable us to be more efficient with our movements. So I really, I really enjoy that perspective. Thanks for sharing that. Mm, you're um, welcome. If, if someone were to question, uh, like, I guess the, the role of being physically fit in the modern world, mm. what would your response be to that? Someone were to question. Yeah. If someone were to question like, Oh, physical fitness is no longer necessary in the modern world because of all the, um, you know, all the things that we have in the modern world that don't, that allow us to be unfit essentially. Well, I mean, to look at our situation right now, like we have just out of the blue been hit with a global pandemic. Yeah. And suddenly we realize, let's say if you're living in an urban environment in a city right now, I mean, it's quite funny. I was overseas and, you know, the world's going to shit and Australians were buying toilet paper and Americans were buying bullets. Like, <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> now, if you, if you reflect on this a little bit, like, I know it's funny, but we, if you live in a city, you live in a world of food scarcity. Yeah. You've got a week's worth of supply at Coles. 
if, if, if just if Coles didn't restock its shelf and, and no, there was no global pandemic, you've got, and it didn't restock itself, you know, it would be, there's, no, there's enough for a week yeah. in, the, in the shop. It turns itself over in a week. Coles right. empties its shelves every week, okay. but it's replenished. And now we, have, now we have no way to replenish. So we've all got a week's worth of food in our local supermarket if we're not, if we're not hoarding. Yeah. Right? Okay. Well, what the fuck do you do now? Yeah. Right? Like, where, where's your next meal coming? I'm not saying we're going to become hunter-gatherers in the city, but we, what I'm saying is the, the comforts of the technology that you're talking about that we get used to are gone in an instant from yeah. something that we didn't even expect. Yeah. Whatever we thought, whatever the system was that we created for ourselves to live in and work in, the structures of our working life and how we earn money to survive, like the, the, the structure of our lifestyle is fragile. Mm. And we've just, we just sort of revealed that like right now the curtains off and we're like, the system we had is broke. Yeah. Like it's just completely broke. Um, we've got, like we spend all of our resources in Australia. We get all of our natural product, sheep, wheat, grain, wood. And we send it somewhere else. Yeah. And we buy it back in toilet paper, right? Or we, we buy it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if there's a global pandemic and trade stops, well, we're out of toilet paper. Yeah. Or we're out of whatever else. Yeah. You know, like the irony about the US and the China trade relationship is like, they get their vaccines from China. Yeah. Like, they get like a massive proportion of their, their, their medicines and stuff that they require to survive on a daily basis from countries that they're having a trade fight with. Or if it goes to shit and we can't, you know, trade across borders, things end. So apart from sort of natural disasters and other things that might happen in your life that might require you to be physically able and capable to respond, you, you just need a body. There are other things that will have an imposition in our life now that, you know, you need to respond. Like, what have I done since I've been home with no food? I've planted a garden. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've been out there turning beds of plants and getting rid of weeds and laboring, like laboring to create myself a food source in case I don't have one <laughs> in six months, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you need a body to be able to do this stuff. Yeah. Um, so I guess, the body's response to the world, we've become happy and comfortable, but we've now realized in a short, very short space of time that happy and comfortable can expire pretty fast. Yeah. And, you know, if I didn't have petrol, for example, we didn't have a petrol, like, okay, now the car doesn't work. Yeah. And I'm, I'm on 8Ks from the nearest shop has got no food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got to run. I've got yeah. to run my bike. You know, I've got to figure out some other way of doing this to get around. So, yeah, it's kind of like if you're a sports trainer or, or you're just interested in, if you've got kids, for example, it's really helpful to do a first aid course. Mm. Yeah. Because, you know, if someone hurts themselves, you want to be ready. Yeah. Um, but I think the body has to be treated as like a first aid resource. Yeah. Sure. It's like, well, if I'm, need to get to the show. I like to run eight Ks. I kind of want to know I can do it. Yeah. And how fast I can do it. And so you need to be ready to go. And natural movement is a great way to be ready to go. Yeah. Um, I'm that. not going to be naturally ready 
to go if all I do is swim. Yeah, totally. Or, yeah. yeah, but I might be ready to go. I might be able to, you know, th- throw my son over my shoulder and run for eight Ks because I trained to do that in like, a, I've, I've trained that, that, that part or even drag my wife. <laughs> yeah. If we're, if we're hiking and she hurts herself to, to figure out a way to you know, get her um, over, over ground to safety. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's a, that's a fantastic answer. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, so a couple more questions and then we'll wrap mm. up. Mm. Um, this is something that I've, trying to focus on as I'm coming into season two of my podcast and I'm going to be asking this to all of my guests, which is how do you see uh, humans fitting into the natural world, into the natural ecosystem? Okay. Good question. Um, Well, one way, I mean, one way of tackling this one is like nature seems to know what it's doing you know, the story about the waterhole and, you know, one waterhole and everyone comes to it yeah. and they all work out when they arrive so they don't eat each other, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Or you look around and bees seem to know what they're doing, but they don't have a rule book. They don't go yeah. to bee school to figure out what to do. Or ants seem to make extraordinary underground mm-hmm. structures. They just, everyone seems to know what to do on this earth except us. Yeah. Like we have no effing, like we have no idea. Like <laughs> we just destroy it. Yeah. Right. Uh, we augment the world around us and um, change the landscape into and, and the urban cities into places that make us feel comfortable, not us sort of figuring out a way for us to be integrated into into the natural world. Yeah. In a harmon- in a harmonious way. But the but the, the the sort of soft underbelly to that, or the is that we we are the natural world. Yeah. Like we we are it. We are, we are the same organic decaying matter as everything else. Uh, we have a place in this, in this structure uh, in the natural world, but we just don't know what it is anymore. So yeah. much. like we just don't understand it. Yeah. It's like trying to tell my son what a cassette is. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, what? <laughs> like, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you, do you, do you have to like, we'd know what to do with it. Right. Yeah but we we're not far away either we're not so far away from understanding um our place or our role uh, integrating ourselves into that, then then you think yeah because we because it's there it's there for us at every twist and turn yeah we just have to give ourselves an opportunity to get into those spaces right regularly regularly yeah i mean so we have um I mean, the, the, when, when, when people have a holiday, it's holiday time, right? I mean, what do people do? It's like almost to a person, we fuck off out of the city and we go to the beach or yeah. we go camping or yeah. biking or we travel to some exotic place. Yeah. Like, you know, go to Bali. We get, we get out of concrete and into shade, yeah. leafy shade as often as we can. Now there's a reason for that. And it's not just because there's there's a reason for that. There's like a deep psychological psychic reason why we take ourselves to natural places when we have a holiday or that when we're in those places, we feel good. Yeah. I mean, the the literature and the science tells us that just staring at green trees 
even if it's a painting, is therapeutically good for your body and your wellness. Yeah. I mean, hospitals with windows, patient recovery rates or that look into green, patient recovery rates are higher than if they don't. Yeah. You know, the green natural landscape, the, the places in the outdoors are where our body belongs. Yeah. Yeah. And so with my clients, if I'm teaching them as a, as a, tra- a personal training setting, and some of my clients like to train outdoors, but others think it's dirty, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's yeah. too rough. But, but, but I'll prescribe time outside like yeah. as part of your fitness training regime. Eat well, sleep well, drink lots of water, do this exercise and go and sit in the park with your shoes off. Yeah. Like that's your training program for the week. Nice. Right. Um, you know, when the grass is wet in the early morning, go and walk on the oval without your shoes, like feel the dew. Yeah. You know, if you can get down in the ocean, like you know, walk in the ocean for a while, like, you know, go and go and get yourself into, into natural spaces. Yeah. I never get, like I never get bad feedback from that prescription from my clients. Yeah, yeah, it's almost impossible to go wrong. <laughs> That's exactly right. And there's a reason for that. It's because yeah. we, we are nature. We just yeah. just lost track of that somewhere. Yeah, I seem to have forgotten it. Yeah, cool, man. That's, that's great. So um, before we finish, is there anything else that you wanted to share or touch on that we, you didn't feel like we touched on? No, no. I mean, no, no. I'm, no, it's been good chat. It's been a great chat. Yeah. It's nice to, nice to reflect. And I haven't had a chance to really reflect on the travels recently. So because yeah. I've just been back, like where I'm still in um, self-isolation here in Perth. Yeah. So that's, that's how fresh it is for me. We're still, we're still, yeah. you know, um, I still um, haven't sort of been out and about in the town yet. I haven't seen my, well, I haven't sort of hold, held my parents yet. Yeah. <laughs> they're, yeah. Staying, they're staying away. So um, it's nice to reflect on what's yeah. done and what's happening right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. So how can people um, connect with you, get in touch with you and follow your work? Sure. Okay. Well, I mean, it's going to be easier now, right? Because fitness gyms are closed in Australia. We're all heading to the online space. So people want to find me. Um, well, the business is called The Wilding Project. Um, and... So we have a website and we sort of, you can find that kind of stuff. We're on Facebook. Um, we're on Instagram. People can find us through that. And I guess our presence will grow larger in that space now because we're now trying to find ways to stream our services to all of our clients, which is we, we train kids. We train uh, students from sort of three years of age right through our artist clients, about 65. Yeah, awesome. So, <clears throat> um, and that's a kind of a wide for all those clients, we have a wide sort of service delivery from everything from gymnastics activities, general fitness activities, then parkour and sort of free running, yeah. uh, natural movements in there. And then we have like an active ages program for, for seniors and so on. So um, we, have, we have a lot of stuff going on and hopefully we'll be able to get that into the online environment so people can share it. Yeah. Not only now, our, our local clients, but... Um, obviously more people can join in yeah absolutely i'm certain that there'll be people interested who are listening in and i'll put a link to all of those um resources in the show notes as well so people can get in touch oh Um, yeah it's great yeah so yeah again thank you for coming on i really appreciate you sharing your knowledge and your time and uh, yeah everything 